El Fanboy, episode 16. everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the Sweet 16 edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. Now, this actually is the very first time I'm ever filming the podcast. You're actually going to have two different versions of this episode. So you could either just listen to it in your traditional means, be it on iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or TuneIn or wherever it is that you get your podcasts, or you have the option of watching the video. I don't know why I did this, honestly, but I'm like, you know what, it's the 16th episode, Sweet 16, this is kind of a monumental one, and I just felt like experimenting, so maybe no one's going to watch this video, maybe all of you are going to watch this video, and you're going to X this out right now on your phones or however you listen to your your your, your podcast, and you're going to race over to a YouTube-enabled device, and, and you're going to watch, I don't know, I honestly, I have no idea, uh, and also... Before anyone says anything, yes, this is the same shirt and tie that I wore in yesterday's Wonder Woman review that I put up on the uh, El Fanboy channel. But in my defense, I only wore it for those 20 minutes where I filmed the video. Then I put it on a hanger and I put it away. So it's still clean and I just didn't, with all the work that's gone into preparing this episode, I didn't have the time to go steam another shirt and tie. So don't judge me. Anyway. Okay, so for those of you who aren't watching, and therefore that little thing about my shirt meant nothing to you, let's get to this week's show. So today I'm going to spend a lot of time on Wonder Woman. Not only is it the big thing that's coming out this weekend, but it also happens to mean a ton to me. And I think it could mean a ton to fanboys and fangirls around the world and to the DC Extended Universe as a whole. So we're going to talk a little bit about Wonder Woman means for the DCEU. And you know, before we get into that, I do want to kind of give a, bit, uh, a quick update on how the film is doing so far, how it's looking as it heads into its opening weekend. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen my review, it is also on the YouTube channel. And I also wrote a written version of that for uh, SplashReport.com. I gave the film an A-. And uh, I pretty much love the goddamn thing. But okay, so uh, taking myself out of the equation, how's everyone else liking it? Uh, right now, the film stands at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is with 193 reviews counted. Uh, 180 of the critics gave it a thumbs up. Only 13 people didn't like it. So it's pretty clear people are loving this movie. Um, and one of the first indications of how much they're loving it is going to come in the form of those Thursday previews. So last night's Thursday preview screenings, uh, we've got the we've got the box office tallies on those now. Uh, Wonder Woman made eleven million dollars. Uh, that's pretty damn impressive. Just to kind of put into perspective, other recent superhero origin stories, how they've done in their Thursday previews. You know, Doctor Strange, which was, you know, Marvel's movie came out in, uh, I guess, November now. That opened uh, for Thursday at 9.4 million. 
Uh, Ant-Man was another recent origin story. 6.4 million on Thursday. The first Thor was 3.2 million. And then Captain America, which everyone keeps sort of comparing this to, which I'll kind of address that too, by the way. But people keep uh, comparing Wonder Woman and Captain America. That one made 4 million in its Thursday previews. Um, so this is topping all of those solo ones. And it also has like that dubious honor of being, you know, the, the biggest Thursday opening for a female director. I say dubious not to, um, not to downplay the importance of that, but when you consider the, the travesty of the fact that we haven't had a lot of films directed by women, especially women of uh, films of this size and scope, you know, it's it's pretty easy for for this film to have done that for Patty Jenkins. But still, congrats to Patty Jenkins. That is a pretty damn cool milestone. Hopefully, the first of many, not just for her, but for female directors for years and years to come. Um, so yeah, so the reviews are great. Based on those Thursday previews, things are looking fairly, you know, good. Like a couple weeks ago, the projections were at $65 million for the opening weekend. I always thought that was a little on the low end. Uh, I thought it would do something maybe like, you know, like 90. Um, and some people thought it would actually be north of 100. I'm still kind of like, I kind of go back and forth. I think there's a chance this thing is going to surprise the fuck out of all of us and come in with like 105 when all is said and done this opening weekend. But for now, Deadline is being sort of conservative. They think that, you know, some of the more aggressive tracking that they're finding on the film looks like it's going to land at around that $90 million mark, which is what I originally sort of thought. So we'll see if my original prediction comes true or if my new-ish prediction of 105 comes true. Because, uh, you know, the, the, the real sort of ace in the pocket here, the uh, you know, the, the wild card is there's a lot of women who are going to show up in this, who might not have been asked about this, who would not traditionally be coming to the movies, you know, non-traditional moviegoers are going to probably show up and surprise. So all these tracking numbers, which are based on more traditional models, they're probably not going to factor in all the people who are going to just show up out of curiosity on opening weekend. Cause people are saying, Hey dude, it's the first wonder woman movie. You got to come see this dude or dudette, uh, as it may be. Um, so, okay, so let's talk a little bit about what this movie means, right? Um, I, I really think that the tone of this movie uh, could be a game changer for the entire DC Extended Universe. Anyone who's been following me for a while knows I've been, you know, I've been fairly critical of the uh, of the films that have come out thus far, which include Man of Steel, Batman uh, versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad. I've been pretty hard on them. Um, I just, you know, I expect a lot from these movies. These characters mean a lot to me, and you know, I've just, I, I haven't been thrilled with what I've seen. And Wonder Woman blew me away, and I kind of hope that this becomes the model. Um, you know, so what do I mean by the tone of the movie being what's going to change the DCEU? All right. So the tone is simple. Wonder Woman was adventurous. It was mythological in scope and it was grand. It was epic, you know, because that's one of the areas where, where DC and Marvel have always been different. You know, Marvel's heroes have always been a little more like 
more on the human like neighborhood level side of things more down to earth and relatable uh you know relatable to your average sort of joe schmo dc on the other hand has always excelled by making their characters feel more grandiose they're like adaptations of of classic mythology of 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 shakespearean themes of timeless larger-than-life storytelling that tells of gods and monsters and good and evil and messiahs and devils and demons. You know, DC's always been more on uh, of that, just in that mythological sort of kick. Um, and Wonder Woman nailed that, but what's even cooler is that it nailed that grand sort of epic feeling while never forgetting to make the film feel exciting and fun and alive. Yeah, the film brims with energy, and, and, and there are a ton of jokes, yet the humor never detracts from the grandness of the moments they're showing us. Whereas Marvel has a tendency to like throw in jokes that pull us out of the moment and remind us that, hey, this is just a popcorn flick. Please don't take us seriously. Um, Wonder Woman navigated that minefield where, like, okay, so there are moments that are hilariously funny, and endearing yet while you're laughing one moment the next your jaw is on the floor and your lip is quivering because something monumental and iconic is happening on the screen and i think that's the key right there you know that balance between grand mythological storytelling and an adventurous spirit that could become dc's winning formula um, right, you know, right there, and, and it's the exact kind of thing Jeff Johns has been saying since the day he took the DC Entertainment president job and the uh, the chief creative officer job. That's his vision for it. That's where he wants the DC EU to go. And what's even cooler is if they do continue to go this way, you know, myths were always a way of trying to help people ask and answer deep questions about life. They were always sort of moral plays and ways for common men and women to try and understand the world around them and, and how it all works. So that allows for more movies like Wonder Woman, which explore deeply relevant, timeless, allegorical territory. You know, Wonder Woman's a movie that talks about some of what we're dealing with today, in this moment, right now, despite the fact that it's set 100 years ago in World War One and seems to pull from the types of classic stories that were written thousands and hundreds of years ago. So this tone, this balance, can allow the DCEU to produce films that are exciting, epic, fun, and thought-provoking. I mean, <laughs> what more could you ask for? You know, at a time when Marvel seems to be getting fluffier, and more bubblegummy. And I say that because, you know, I thought both Doctor Strange and Guardians 2, which were their last two releases, they seemed like absolutely terrified of being taken seriously. You know, every every potentially epic moment was undercut. You know, in Doctor Strange, anytime he looked remotely sort of cool, the cape had to like slap him in the mouth and like pull you out of it. You know, stuff like that just really grinds my gears. And <laughs> you know, it really grinds my gears. But... Yeah, at, at a time where the MCU is heading in that direction, DC can start releasing films that actually have some heft to them while still being fun to watch. So DC, Jeff Johns, Warner Brothers, it's your time now. 
do that extra work with Joss Whedon on Justice League this summer that we know you're going to do. Continue to support James Wan on Aquaman because I have a feeling that that could be a very fun... I want to stop using the word fun. But that could be a very interesting movie. Aquaman could surprise a lot of people, I have a feeling, with, with some of the things Juan has said in the past for his vision for what he wants to do with Aquaman. So continue to nurture James Wan and his Aquaman, because that could be a very special movie. Continue hiring talented filmmakers, not just directors for hire, but talented filmmakers. I mean, look at they're looking at bringing in people like Robert Zemeckis or Matthew Vaughn for The Flash. Like Warner Brothers is aiming high. So continue to aim high. Continue in that direction. Continue what you've started with Wonder Woman. And the world is your oyster. And I will be your faithful servant there on opening night every single time. Yes, even for that cyborg movie. <laughs> um, and, you know, what's interesting about Wonder Woman and how it really could be a turning point is that, you know, I, I've said before that, you know, Wonder Woman and Justice League are in a sort of uniquely precarious position where they were sort of produced and sort of a holdover from the era in the DCEU where Zack Snyder was calling the shots and that we're not going to really see a Jeff Johns DC movie until Aquaman. But from some of the research I've been doing, it really seems like even though Wonder Woman was produced while Snyder was at the top of the mountain, it was actually sort of Jeff Johns' baby. Uh, he was like very hands-on with that movie. It almost seems like in, in the beginning of things, even with Snyder sort of being the architect of it all, they sort of delegated powers. And while they knew Snyder was going to be busy with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which was going to go pretty much practically right into the production for Justice League, they sort of gave Jeff Johns Wonder Woman as like his baby to sort of nurture. So, you know, in doing some research on that, you know, he's been involved in this throughout its production. And there's some things I want to sort of call to your attention. Um, and, and sort of what I find interesting, too, is that he's not given a screenplay credit. Yet Warner Brothers has already said that he co-wrote the screenplay. And producers have already said that he was involved in the writing of the movie. So I don't know why they're sort of downplaying what he did. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why. But here's just some food for thought for you. So, uh, back in July of last year, of 2016, Warner Brothers sent like a press release to Comic-Con International uh, in San Diego on what their plans are uh, with what they're going to be unveiling with Wonder Woman. And as part of that press release, they mentioned very sort of nonchalantly that, you know, Patty Jenkins directs the film from a screenplay by Alan Heinberg and Jeff Johns. That's from Warner Brothers. So I've, I, I don't know why he doesn't get the screenplay credit now in the final, you know, in the final cut of the movie. But he wrote that, you know, he co-wrote the damn thing. Uh, and then even as recently as March of this year, uh, one of the producers, Kurt Kanemoto, he's the VP of production uh, for Atlas Entertainment. He was asked about John's role in the production. And, you know, he said Jeff Johns is one of our executive producers, and he's, of course, writing on this film. Uh, he's, been in a pay he's been an amazing part of the core team. Uh, he also said 
He's bringing out all of the treasures, you know, with regard to what he brings to Wonder Woman. He's bringing out all of the treasures in the DC chest of just going a little bit deeper than we have. Uh, it's something you can follow up with him on, uh, with Charles Roven, uh, just in terms of Jeff's involvement with all of DC. So, you know, J Johns was very hands-on with this movie. So Wonder Woman could very well be the model moving forward. He, this could be our first real taste of what the Jeff Johns era is going to look and feel like. And if that's the case, Jesus Christ, the, the future for DC has never looked more exciting than it does right now. I'm sorry, I'm a little giddy, but this stuff just like, this tickles me. This is, this is what made me a fanboy. You know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the Justice League. This is what I love. And this is what I've always tried to convey to people over the years. So many people have come at me with all so much hatred thrown at me for the fact that I've been hard on Man of Steel and critical of Batman v Superman. And I scoffed at Suicide Squad. People have been so hard on me because they think that like I'm like some Marvel stooge and anti-DC in some way. And it's like, if you only knew... The, the tears of joy that I feel whenever DC succeeds, you'd understand why I get so angry when I interpret them as stumbling or desecrating how special they could really be. So anyway, I, I really am very excited about Wonder Woman and about the future of DC. And while we're on this subject... You know, uh, I always ask you guys to send in questions for me to answer. You send it in with hashtag LFanboy. And then on the next episode, I try to tackle those questions. Um, the questions I was sent this week, a lot of them revolved around DC. And they revolved around this idea of Joss Whedon uh, overseeing the reshoots for Justice League. Um, and there's also been reports too that you know he's been involved for a long time. You know, we we everyone just found out about it officially a week and a half ago with that press release with the very sad news about Zack Snyder's daughter uh, that also revealed that Whedon was coming in to direct the additional photography. But he's apparently been working on it for a while now. He was brought in some time ago, and he's he's been given considerable time and leeway to write new scenes for the movie and sort of help in the reshaping and reconfiguring of Justice League. So let's get to your questions. Uh, so Chris Lasanti said, uh, no, who was it? No, he asked about Wonder Woman. Sorry. This is what I do, by the way. You're watching it, but usually on the podcast, uh, I am reading off of my laptop uh, certain things. So, um, all right, here it is. So Aaron is the one who asked. Aaron asked, uh, you know, with Joss directing the rest of Justice League, what experience slash feeling do you hope he brings? Um, so Aaron, I'm glad you asked. Uh, see, I think Whedon is smart enough. I want to get that out of the way first. I think Whedon is smart enough to know that Marvel and DC are very different. You know, as I described a few minutes ago, they're, they're just inherently different in tone and in scope and what they try to accomplish with their characters and with their stories. So I think he'll work hard to honor those differences and not simply try and turn Justice League into the Avengers 3, which I think some people are worried about. I think he's smarter in that. Remember, he's a geek and a fanboy and at heart, and he's been doing this for a very long time, and he's very respected uh, in you know, within those circles. And what I think or hope he'll do 
is bring some of the fun and adventurous and heroic qualities that will help balance out Snyder's darker, more cynical, more thematically deconstructive ideas. You know, you know how I said that like Wonder Woman had you laughing one one moment and then crying the next, you know, being able to kind of have that balance. So I basically hope Wheaton adds the light that balances out Snyder's dark because we know that Snyder's thoughts tend to go in a very dark direction. Even with Wonder Woman, there was that weird quote from the set visits last year where like, you know, Snyder apparently was like, you know, isn't it, you know, the red in Wonder Woman's armor is the blood of her enemies. Like, you know, Snyder goes in fucking twisted directions. So I'm hoping that Whedon, you know, helps to balance that out with these, you know, what could be up to six weeks of reshoots between June and July. I hope he adds some of the stuff that really kind of, made the Avengers special. And I don't mean make it like like the Avengers, but there were things about the Avengers that were special. Like in that in the battle for New York, I was always a huge fan of the fact that it wasn't just about blowing buildings up and spectacle. You know, they made sure to show that Captain America and, and Iron Man were doing everything they could to minimize collateral damage, to bring civilians and passerbys to safe zones, to try to contain the, uh, the, the damage to one small portion of New York, so to make sure that everything is like, you know, um, not basically destroying the entire fucking city, kind of like in Man of Steel. You know, that I, I love those moments of heroism where you see that the heroes are not just concerned with punching and beating up bad guys, but actually making sure that the bystanders around them are out of harm's way. So I hope that he brings some of that heart and some of that heroism to Justice League. You know, because Snyder did not seem interested in that sort of stuff. He was just, you know, if you watch Man of Steel, he didn't seem to give a shit about how many innocent lives have to die in order for his cool sequence to look cool. And Whedon always seemed to try to honor that. Even in Avengers Age of Ultron, there's that beautiful moment in the uh, battle in Sokovia where there's a car falling off of the floating island. And I believe it's Thor and maybe Captain America. They like save the car that's full of people. And it's like those little moments are what define those movies for me. These kinds of movies are defined by heroic moments because we're watching superheroes. And that's one of the reasons I love Wonder Woman, by the way, because she's an unapologetic, uncynical, unangsty heroine who just has to do what's right. So I hope Whedon brings that. That's, you know, in that's the long version of my answer for you, Aaron. I hope Whedon brings the heart to the to the proceedings. Um Another question I got was just, you know, from Chris Lasanti. He said, uh, now that Wonder Woman is the first critically acclaimed movie in the DCEU, do you think Warner Brothers DC would consider Patty Jenkins for a future Justice League movie? Or is that Whit Whedon's gig to give up? Um, see, I mean, I think she deserves the job. You know, Wonder Woman was everything that these movies could and should be. So I think if they give her Justice League 2, that would be fucking amazing. And I think she deserves it. Um, but do I, I, But you ask about Whedon. 
I... <sighs> it's hard to say. I know he's making Batgirl. I don't think he's going to make Justice League 2, even though that seems like a natural leap since he you know, he comes from that experience of having made these big epic team-up movies. I know that the first inclination is to say that he's a perfect fit for Justice League. I don't think that's the plan. I think he's going to just, you know, he's he's helping with Justice League, the first one. But I do think he's going to go much smaller after this. You know, he he was very vocal towards the end of his run with Marvel about the about the his desire to focus on his own creations for a little while to not you know necessarily work with other people's characters so much he wanted to you know do his own thing and while Batgirl's not his own thing it's something that's close to his heart you know he's been wanting to make a movie about a female superhero for a while let's not forget he tried to make a Wonder Woman movie at, you know many many years ago before this eventually would happen sorry having a little cafe con leche um, so I don't think he wants to take on another huge $200 million epic like Justice League 2. It's a lot of pressure, and I think he's weary of that. I think he wants to keep things sort of small and simple. So he's going to help a little bit with Justice League. He's going to make his Batgirl movie, but I don't see him making Justice League 2. And I do not see Zack Snyder coming back for Justice League 2. Um, you know, I think his exit, while definitely for you know horrendous, heart-wrenching reasons where he had to walk away from the post on Justice League, uh, while those were personal reasons, I, I think he will I think he's just gone now. I think he'll you know, linger on as a producer. And maybe offer some creative insight because he does come up with pretty decent stories. He's credited with the story on Wonder Woman. But I don't think he's coming back to direct any more of these. Um, so with that in mind, would I give that job to Patty Jenkins? I would, absolutely. And I think Warner Brothers would be brilliant to do so. Because it's an, it's amazing PR, first of all. And this is a cultural moment that we're living in right now. Everyone is so excited about the first female superhero, the first female director on a superhero movie. What better way to capitalize on all of that goodwill and all of that positive energy than by announcing in a few weeks that Patty Jenkins will be directing Justice League 2. I think that would be an absolutely clutch move. Uh, on the part of Warner Brothers and on the part of... And it'd be a huge win for Patty Jenkins as well. So I think that would be great. Here's hoping that it happens. Um, and I did want to touch on something else. While talking about that, there's something that wasn't really on my agenda to discuss, but I just kind of want to bring this up. Café Bustelo. Sorry. Um... <laughs> So when I was heading into the city to see the Wonder Woman screening on Wednesday, um, I, th there were a couple of things in my mind. There was a little bit of cynicism in my mind with regard to how wonderful the reviews have been for Wonder Woman. And I was trying to walk in and not fall into any particular traps. So there were two things that I, I was thinking could be influencing this movie that have nothing to do with the movie itself that I thought could be one of the reasons why it has all these positive reviews. 
This is just the, the, this was the cynic in me, and I'll address the uh, the result of that. So, the two things, the two non within the movie factors were: are people giving this great reviews because it's better, just simply because it's better than the other three DC movies? You know what I mean? In other words, is, has the bar been lowered so much by those first three that anything that's remotely better is going to seem immensely better, you know? And then the other thing was, I was thinking, you know, since we live in an age of social justice and activism and all this sort of stuff, a part of me was wondering, like, are some of the glowing reviews there because critics are scared to give a negative review to a Wonder Woman movie? You know, because they, they would catch all kinds of flack on social media for being, like, misogynistic or anti-woman. And, you know, why are you trying to you know, bring down a movie just because it has a female. You know, people would misinterpret a negative review, you would think. So, you know, so on the way into the city, I kind of wondered about that. I kind of thought, you know, are, are the reviews good because the movie's good? Or are they good because, A, the DC stock is so low right now, and because people are scared of social media backlash? Um, and I can safely say that... The reviews are because of how goddamn good that movie is. Um, yeah, I you know n neither one of those things affected my viewing of it or influenced why I loved it so much. So you know, for anyone out there who still thinks that you know there's a reason that, that there's a cynical reason why the reviews are like so overwhelmingly positive, trust me, it's actually because the movie is that damn good. All right. But, um, all right, let's move on. Let's get into some of the big stories going on out there around the web, shall we? We're going to start with Josh Gad. Um, Josh Gad has been teasing for weeks now that he will be involved as the Penguin in some way, shape, or form. Uh, with DC, you know, the Batman villain, uh, Penguin, you know, from whether it's like tweeting out images or comic books, he's been sort of, you know, trying to put that out into the world. And overnight, there was a huge, uh, arguably the biggest one of these teases yet was he tweeted a picture standing alongside Jeff Johns and John Berg who are the two main driving forces in the DC entertainment right now. And he's holding up a Batman comic book that has the penguin on it. And the caption on the tweet says, nothing to see here. So, listen, I have a feeling this thing is a done deal. I think he is going to be the penguin. Uh, I think this picture is where we cross over from this just being a guy having fun and sort of campaigning for a role. Like when Tyrese has uh, put out those pictures of himself as uh, Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, uh, which I think that's a pipe dream and it's never going to happen. This is a whole other animal. With the fact that he's there standing in, in front of the very same backdrop as Dwayne Johnson, 
when Dwayne posted about his big meeting with DC Entertainment and announcing how the future looked very bright for the Shazam movie and for the Black Adam movie and blah, blah, blah. You know, Jeff Johns is standing in front of that very same wall with Jeff Johns and John Berg and holding up a penguin thing. I think it's safe to say that the new script for the Batman, which will be directed by Matt Reeves, will include the Joker. Uh, the Joker will include the Penguin, and the Penguin Oswald Cobblepot will be played by Josh Gad. I do think that that's a done deal. That's how I interpret it. I no longer think it's just a guy fucking around. He's not just playing with us. I think he got the job. Um, couple other stories. By the way, I don't think it's going to be a very long podcast this week because I've been pouring a lot of time. I really got to get a Patreon page going because this stuff is so time consuming. Um, you know, I, I wrote for Splash Report. I wrote for IGN, which you guys are going to see, I believe, over the weekend. I wrote an editorial on Wonder Woman. Um, and in terms of the podcast, you know, I recorded a video review yesterday. Uh, it took a while to put together like the little opening credit sequence that you're going to see on the video version of this episode. Like I've I've poured a lot, a lot of hours into my fanboy stuff uh, this week. And I, I, I just kind of, you know, I, I got work to do. I got kids to raise and I have a DJ gig in a couple hours. So this is not going to be a very long episode, uh, but you will have one at your regularly scheduled program on Tuesday, which will, will be a more uh, standard length. And maybe by then I'll be able to offer you an update on the Patreon page because I've really got to figure that out. I've been saying it for like two months but it just seems like a very, very, uh, it's much more complex than I thought the Patreon thing. But I, I do want to do it and I want to do it right. And, you know, maybe if you guys are investing in me, then I can continue to do this more regularly and create even more content. Because I have all these ideas, but only so many hours in the day that I could throw at something that's basically freelance fun, you know. Um, but anyway, so let's continue with a few more stories for you before I let you go. Um, Wonder Woman 2, by the way, they, they're saying that nothing has been written for a Wonder Woman 2. Uh, I'm pretty sure we can, you know, we, we, we can take a fair guess that if this weekend goes as well as it looks like it's going to, and the movie does look, it does what it looks like it's destined to do, um, we're going to see a Wonder Woman 2 very, very soon. Um, but yes, yeah, so... Uh, Rovin said, nothing has been written. We really want to focus on this movie. And I think the result of this movie is going to really define what the future of Wonder Woman is in the movies. Other than the fact that you know that she's in Justice League. And we're really happy about that. But I think we're all pretty pleased with the film. And you guys have been great, giving us amazingly wonderful positive feedback. We hope it continues on. So basically, you know, Rovin is saying like, you know, we're not jumping ahead to a sequel just yet. We want to make sure that this movie comes out, is a resounding success, that you guys are happy with it before we even think about Wonder Woman 2. Um, so, hey, listen, I think that's that's a smart way to go. Um, honestly, I think some of the success that is coming Wonder Woman's way might be a surprise to some. You remember a, a bunch of us as recently as like a month ago, a lot of fans were complaining like where's the promotion for this movie 
Why aren't we seeing ads and billboards everywhere and clips released? And, you know, where is the love for Wonder Woman? And the tracking was 65 million bucks. Like, this didn't look like it was going to be a huge runaway success. And somehow in the last two weeks, this has become like the movie event of the year so far. Like, fuck Guardians, fuck what's, what else, whatever other big movies have happened this year. This has become what 2017 is about. Wonder Woman is having a moment right now. So you almost feel like Warner Brothers is kind of like almost getting caught with their pants down with how well this is going for them. So good on them to first want to see how this does uh, before they move into a sequel. You know, prior to this... They're, they were trying to rush everything. You know, everything that they, they had, they announced 10 movies. They were pushing them all into production right on top of each other. And that backfired because they started getting all those negative responses before they could even adjust to what people were rejecting about the DCEU. So now they're taking a more cautious approach and, you know, all the power to them. Um, Oh, and I, I, I told you guys, I'm sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but um, I told you guys I wanted to just address some of the funny, like the uh, the Captain America stuff. Um, I don't know why I thought of that just now. But I think I just guys see a picture of her with the shield. And yeah, th- there were a couple of things about this movie that I just found funny. This is not claiming that they copied Captain America, but it's a couple of things to kind of keep an eye out for, which I thought were funny. Which is like, A, it takes place during World War One. Captain America did World War II. Uh, both center on a hero that is just very, very altruistic and, and straightforward. Which, you know, that, that is what it is. But also, there are, so there's times where she's running around with a shield and we see her like fling the shield. And I'm like, I didn't know that was a Wonder Woman thing. You know, that right now, that's a very iconic Captain America thing. I mean, when she's flinging the shield around... Uh, I'm like, that's interesting. Then there's a, you know how there's a sequence in Captain America, the first Avenger where, uh, they capture a Hydra operative. And while he's on the floor and they have him and they think they've captured him, he swallows the poison pill in his tooth and foams at the mouth and dies. Uh, there's something very, very similar to that. Almost like a shot for shot remake of that moment in wonder woman. Um, and even towards the end, like I'm not going to spoil it. I, you know, I'm always, I, I don't do spoiler stuff the first week that a movie's out, but there's something in the finale that is very, very, very similar to something that one of the characters in the finale for Captain America, the first Avenger does as well. Um, and it even offers a very similar sort of feeling to you as the viewer watching it. So, yeah, so yes, there are some interesting parallels there that I was surprised about. But, you know, it's not, no one's ripping anyone off. It's just, it is what it is. I just found it sort of funny because First Avenger did come out fairly recently. So I'm sure some of these similarities are going to pop out at people. Um, But all right, so moving. Oh, hang on. I keep on trying to move along. One more Wonder Woman bit. Um... Yeah, something about the movie that I, I do think is sort of worth noting, and you could consider it a negative, or you could you know, just take it however you'd like to take it. But I do think the film got some, it had some rewrite work on it. You know, we know that like they brought in Gal Gadot pregnant 
uh, for reshoots at some point, and they put the little thing over her belly to to take out the pregnant belly. Like in other words, there were some like important shots that they had to redo or add to the movie once it ended into once once it went into post. And I think some of that was that Wonder Woman originally was supposed to end on sort of a down note. That's the that's the impression I got. Because if you think about where we find Diana Prince in Batman v Superman, they give the impression that Diana's been sort of reclusive, sort of in hiding, sort of not wanting to be involved in the wars of man and and being sort of jaded and detached from mankind because of things that happened in her past. And it's what happens with Batman and Superman as they confront Doomsday that gets her to don the costume and be Wonder Woman again. Remember, that's kind of what they were going for. And this Wonder Woman movie was probably going to end with whatever it was that broke her heart and pushed her away from humanity being at the end of the movie, where like you know she's now going to go into hiding up until the timeline catches up with Batman v Superman. Now, on the other hand, perhaps as a reaction or a response to all the negative criticism to, on Dawn of Justice for being sort of bleak and dark, um, it ends on this very, very hopeful sort of tone, and it almost sort of rewrites Diana's history as we know it so far. So in Batman v Superman, she's basically been in hiding. She's this mysterious figure that's been in hiding for many, many years. At the end of Wonder Woman, they paint it like what happens at the end of that movie inspires her to be a champion for humanity and a hero from that point forward. From World War One on, she's like just, you know, what happened in, in, in her life makes her a hero for all time from that point on. So in that way, it's almost like Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman don't really line up anymore in terms of where Diana ends in Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman, yeah, you know, and Batman v Superman begins. Um, and now, yeah, thankfully, they have the luxury of they can do a sequel that takes place somewhere in the middle that maybe explains why she would go into hiding after that. But as we now know, you know, there is no sequel that is being written at the moment and that, you know, that is not their original plan, but they can do that now to make it more make sense. If that, you know, if you understand where I'm going with that. Um, But yeah, so just in short, I think the original Wonder Woman ending was more of a downer. It ended with her going into hiding. And I think Late in the game, they decided, no, we want to end with uplifting. We want to end with her ending being a hero from that point forward. Uh, send people home happy. Because probably because they're like, listen, we can't, we can't have another movie that makes you sad. <laughs> that makes you, that, that, that sends people home going, conf- feeling conflicted and dark about DC again. So that's just my little insight on that. And for those of you who see it, let me know what you think. Um, let me know if you think that Diana definitely doesn't end the way we meet her in Batman v Superman, you know, her, her story. Um, and then this is just a quickie, uh, you know, just a little pet thing for me is I love the Power Rangers. And it looks like, you know, I was saying last week that I don't think we're going to get a sequel. Coffee time. I was saying that it doesn't look like we're going to get a sequel because it just didn't do well enough. 
uh, critically or box office wise, especially box office wise, because critics, who gives a fuck? If a movie makes money, they're going to make more sequels. And this movie didn't really make a lot of money. But it's it looks like there's a chance for a sequel because of how amazing the toy sales have been, believe it or not. Um, you know, the, the, this, this website, Toy News, was talking about the fact that, um, that sales jumped like 122% in the year so far, and that April figures are up a whopping 185% compared to last year, uh, thanks to the Power Rangers toys. Uh, they say these are fantastic results. Uh, a testament to the strength of the Power Rangers brand, which at the end of April ranks 11th across all toy properties, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, the fact that the merchandise did so well could mean we get a sequel, but I'm still going to consider that a long shot. I don't think we're going to get to see Tommy Oliver. <laughs> um, also, uh, the, it, was, it was revealed that the Punisher... It uh, looks like he's likely to arrive on Netflix for Marvel in November. That bit of speculation comes from an interview with uh, director Dierbla Walsh. Dierbla, what an interesting name. They're Irish. Uh, Dierbla Walsh. Uh, they were having an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. And basically, they just kind of mentioned sort of casually off the cuff that, you know, they, they, did, a, they did an episode of The Punisher and it's not airing until November. So, you know, he just kind of worked that in there, and it wasn't really part of what he was answering, but it's the first we've heard of that. So a lot of outlets are now reporting that it looks like the Punisher will arrive in November. So any of you who are wondering about that, it looks like we're going to be having, you know, three Marvel shows on Netflix this year. We, you know, we started the year off with Iron Fist, we have The Defenders, and we have The Punisher. This is the first year where Marvel has two, uh, three series in a single year on Netflix. So it looks like they really are sort of ramping up their production on that, on, in the Netflix corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, which I'm very excited about. You know, John Bernthal as Frank Castle, uh, I think, was inspired casting. Uh, I loved his Punisher in Daredevil Season 2, and I think that could be a fairly special series. Um, well, yeah, so anyway, so anyone who's excited about The Punisher, it looks like November. Um, while we're talking about TV, uh, the bit of sad news, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, who's having this wonderful, you know, uh, comeback thanks to Split and the sequel that's coming up, um... It looks like his Tales from the Crypt is not going to be happening anymore. Um, it looks like, you know, he, he was developing a Tales from the Crypt reboot for TNT, and it has now been deemed dead. So just so you guys know, anyone who was looking forward to that, uh, M. Night's Tales from the Crypt looks like it's now no longer in the cards. So, womp womp. And while we're talking about spooky shit... Uh, next week, there's a horror movie coming out, and you know I'm a, I'm a big horror buff, and it's been on my radar. Is that uh, it calls it's called It Comes at Night, and it's got a really good cast. It's you know it's got Joel Edgerton in it, and I'm I'm very interested in this, but I'm skeptical. And what's funny is the reason that I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical because the reviews are so good. Um, I have been burned before. 
by reviews for horror films being overwhelmingly good. I tend to think, hey, Sebby, come here. Come here. It's fine. Yeah, I, I tend to be skeptical because critics don't tend to like the same horror movies as I do. Um, say hi, Sebby. Hi, Sebby. <laughs> Uh, right now, this thing has got, what do we got here? It's on, on Rotten Tomatoes. It comes at night is at 100%. Granted, we're only at nine reviews in, but whenever I hear these critically acclaimed uh, horror movies, I tend to disagree with them. You know, they had that one, It Follows, that came out two years ago that I thought was awful, but everyone seemed to love it. There was also that one, I think, The Witch last year, which got a lot of critical praise, which for me I thought was very sort of ho-hum. And anyway, The director was interesting, some of, the, some of his choices, but I don't think it was a terribly good or effective horror movie. Uh, so I'm going to give you a, a referral right now for a horror movie that I think is great and a shining example of a good, modern, tense horror film. I think I've mentioned it on here before, but now I'm making it an official referral. And mind you, this thing only got a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is why I say that critics tend to get horror movies wrong. Uh, it's The Strangers with Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman. Um, it came out in 2008. I love the shit out of this movie. I don't think enough people have seen it. See The Strangers this week if you're into horror movies. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to be over here skeptical about whether or not um, <laughs> about whether or not it comes at night is any good. But um, all right, guys. So I think that's it for this week. Thanks for sticking here with me through 16 episodes. Uh, there's plenty more still to come. Um, and keep an eye out on Splash Report on IGN for all of my brain droppings. Like, subscribe, rate review, retweet, share with your friends. Uh, I am Mario Francisco Robles. I am El Fanboy. And uh, I'm signing off. Until next week. Adios. <laughs>